5: Morning, Chuck. Morning, guys. How's it going? Man, it's a it's a good old What's Your Beef Wednesday. Now, before we get in your talk with DJ a little bit, is anything ticking you off this morning?
3: Nothing's ticking me off, that's but always, thanks for asking. That's always good but to hear. But it's early. So. <laughs> plenty of... Uh, Yeah, we're just getting started, Ty. Check back with me in about an hour. You got it, man.
5: All right, well, I thought, so you brought this up this week. Tommy has as well. And I know just based on watching the games, I'm excited. First time in Starkville. It's not easy to win there. And I thought when you were talking with DJ about that, he had a pretty interesting point.
3: One, you know, obviously going through your pregame routine, uh, understanding that 100 yards is 100 yards. You know, preparation as far as crowd noise, making sure all that's hashed out. But I would say the biggest part is understanding there's
1: always going to be a moment and it's going to happen. Whether it's, a, you know,
2: if we fumble on offense or they have a big play on defense or a kickoff return, there's always going to be something that we
1: average teams can't necessarily bounce back from it but good teams figure out a way to kind of bear down the hatches and just hold on play after play and eventually you'll get back to a spot to where you
2: can uh be in that football game
5: guys i thought dj pulled out his Norman Dale there 100 yards 100 yards 94 feet 94 feet he's talking about just the length of the football field
3: yeah i mean you know that's what you've got to do wherever you play i i think some of that is um uh you know players get out there on the field and i don't think they um I don't think they think about, you know, what the environment's going to be like as much as we think. When they go out there before the game and you see them walk in the field and things like that, um, you know, they're obviously refamiliarizing themselves with a the football field. But, you know, um, that was a great ball game, and DJ played great, and Arkansas got a big win. You know, the thing I always have to remind myself
1: is – you can't let the game get away from you, but if you're within striking distance, this is a fourth-quarter team because of the lines of scrimmage. You wear down opponents, and that's where Arkansas can do some catching up if they are behind. We've seen a couple of examples where you know, Arkansas has really dominated the fourth quarter. They haven't been a very good third-quarter team, Chuck, but this team, once the the line of scrimmage imposes its will, and didn't didn't happen last week necessarily,
3: this is a team that can make some hay in the fourth quarter a lot of times. Can be, you know. Uh, they played well in the third quarter this past week, and they need to keep playing well in the third quarter, regardless of uh, you know what happens in the other parts of the ball game. That's uh, you know when you don't play well in, in an entire quarter, um, unless you're Alabama. Like this past Saturday, it's hard to win. Arkansas is not the type of team that's going to be able to do that. They can uh, you know they can run the ball, and I think that this Saturday, controlling the tempo. Uh, from an offensive perspective, is going to be important. I think that's how you help your defense. I think all those things tie together. And so, um, Arkansas's best defense Saturday may be a good offense. And sometimes it's the other way around. But um, and by that I mean I'm not saying you got to score 40 or 45 points, but you need to dictate the tempo of the game.
1: Yeah, you know, you talk about the Arkansas's defense. Leach is such a unique matchup, and I've heard it described this way. And you tell me if this is right. He really runs about a handful of plays, five or six, seven plays. He keeps it all on kind of an index card, but they give you so many different looks. It's they try to be confusing, but a, a lot of times when you when a coach goes back and looks at it, it's a lot of the same actual plays just packaged different
3: ways. Well, one thing I think people need to understand when we talk about plays, um, the way the play, even perhaps where the ball goes. Um, once the ball is snapped, may not necessarily be the play um, that the coach called. And by what I what I mean by that is, every time you snap the ball, every time you break the huddle, you've got two or three different reads to make. If you're a running back, if you're a wide receiver, DJ talked about this in our conversation. Frankly, I thought it was the best part of the conversation. Um, he talked about how you know receivers have pre-snap reads. And other players have pre-snap reads. And so, um, you know, just because you see a play unfold a certain way, and just because Leach may only have, you know, as some say, and I don't know if this is true or not, a handful of different plays, there may be three or four different options on a specific play. Um, So he leaves a lot to the quarterback to read. He leaves a lot to the receivers to read. But, you know, in terms of their basic sets – um, i've not analyzed it like a coach but um, i'm sure that the window dressing and the eye candy and all the things that they show you kind of like what we do has a lot to do with their success
5: make you just look at the the index card that you talk yeah. about relative to the waffle house menu that right. chad morris used to have and
3: but the- that doesn't mean anything that no. that, uh, that doesn't mean anything i i, I mean uh, um, um one might look a little bit better than the other but but you know you've you've still got to make those pre-snap reads if you're a player and I think sometimes we get caught up in believing that the way that a play unfolded is the way that it was necessarily called a lot of times it's the result of a read made by a quarterback or one of the other guys too
1: and to your point how many times did you know, Riggs or, or even, um, you know, early in the game, young, find a gap, you know, the, the, the offensive line for Alabama do, does their blocking. they'd cut back and find a lane and redirect, and we, we saw that particularly with Riggs, you know, multiple times throughout that game on Saturday.
3: Yeah, I mean, they, uh, hey, Alabama's good. I mean, you look at some of those plays, those stretch plays there in the fourth quarter, don't watch the runner. Um, look at the way the line just, I mean, just enveloped Arkansas and um you know that's just what they do and that's uh that's what good offensive lines do that's what they did in the fourth quarter and you know Arkansas as you said a minute ago they've been a pretty good fourth quarter team by and large weren't so much Saturday but by and large they have been and a lot of times when you see a team break the other teams back in the fourth quarter um it's on plays like that where You know, a guy gets into the second level, and all of a sudden, there's nobody there. And that's kind of what happened Saturday.
5: I think Arkansas exerted so much energy in the third quarter. They were kind of gassed at the point in the fourth. To your point, Tommy, I think it's very key if Arkansas can get off to a fast start and, and have that. And, Chuck, you addressed it, getting that third quarter bounce, too. So, in the fourth quarter, you kind of break the will of Mississippi State, which they've been able to do to a certain extent the last two years, even though state was able to come back and almost tied at the end of last year's game well
1: you're going to have to have a unusually good defensive performance i was looking at the uh the note package that came out monday and you know no no secret arkansas is struggling defensively i mean it, it's time for arkansas to figure some things out they've been short some players but eight de- key defensive categories, Arkansas is ranked 10th or worse in the SEC. They're still r- number one in sacks, number three in tackles for loss, but you look at the other ones, and it it tells the story uh, pretty clearly what's going on on the defensive side of the ball for this team, Chuck.
3: Man, I mean, Alabama will skew your stats. They weren't all that great before that, for sure. Um, and that's why I say there are some times, and I think, frankly, this week may be one of them, um where your best defense is a good offense Mm -hmm. because they can control things if uh if you're doing what you want to do on offense and um you know it's a team game you got to help the other side out and you know um like for example i'll go back to the alabama ball game after the pick by McLaughlin even though they didn't score they got out to a position where they could punt Alabama back to their end of the field. you got to make good teams go the long way. You go back to the A&M game, the one thing that was good, it's an overlooked thing in special teams sometimes, is where does the other side start? A&M never started in plus territory. A&M never started in plus territory. It was a wild Saturday before Arkansas snapped the ball in plus territory. So, you know, those things are important. And I think if you're going to be good defensively, The other things tie into it. Uh, You've got to be good on special teams. You've got to win the battle of field position. Uh, You've got to control the tempo offensively. That means you've got to be able to run the football behind a big offensive line. You can't leave your defense out there on an island by themselves and say you win or lose us the ball game. I mean, it's a team game. And um, I would imagine that their game plan for Saturday will reflect that. Mississippi State's won three of the last five.
1: But Arkansas has won the last two against ranked Mississippi State teams. And both games have been basically touchdown games, uh, Chuck. 30, uh, 31-28, 21-14, the last two meetings. Uh, should we expect much different this this go-around?
3: You, you know, I, I I expect a shootout, frankly. I, th- I think you're going to have to score points to win. I think the idea that you're going to go down there and shut them down, um, I don't know that you're going to do that. Although I will say two years ago, the conversation about how Arkansas was going to get lit up was a lot stronger even than it is now. And they went down there and they held them to 14 points and they won the ball game. The only time I can remember being down there where, you know, Mississippi State was really better was was when Dak was there and they were ranked number one. Um, you still held them to 17 points that game, which is wild about that. Yeah, I'm, I mean, that's, that's, that's the only time that I look back and I thought going in, you know, hey, they're better than us. And, um, you know, we went through a period there where pretty much everybody was. But most of the time when we've gone down there, it's been very competitive.
5: And that was a 17-10 to 10 ball game, and Arkansas had a chance. Of that I remember B.A. threw a, an interception on the back left side of the end zone. That was a, a really good ball game. That was the, the worst probably that Mississippi State offense had looked all season long when they were – as you said, number one in the country. I look at this game, you're talking about special teams, Chuck. Arkansas right now is 129th out of 131 teams in punt return coverage and then also 127th in the country out of kickoff return coverage. And while Bama started a lot of times in plus territory, McHistory was all over the place. And I don't know who A&M's special teams, kick returners and punt returners are, but that's going to be an element of this game. You can't allow. It's been kind of a weakness to this point.
3: Well, I mean, the first thing, you know, again, you know, you can get, you can look at all the numbers. The numbers, you know, I mean, the numbers tell you how it's gone through the first five games. May or may not go uh, that way on uh, Saturday. I mean, you're right. The numbers aren't good. I don't really know what to say to that other than they got to get better.
1: Yeah, you got, uh, you got the coach's show tonight. Coach going to talk to the media today. I don't know how much more we're going to learn about KJ, but that's clearly the conversation everyone's having around the state is will KJ play on Saturday?
3: Yeah, and and everywhere you go, that's what people are asking. And mm-hmm. people want an answer today, and I get that. You know, they want an answer today, and um, there's not going to be one today because this is, you know, some injuries, you know, they call them day-to-day, and, you know, a lot of times they already know. But in a situation like this, I mean, if there was ever an injury that's day-to-day, I mean, when you take a blow to the head, that's, uh, you know, that's certainly something that qualifies, so... We we may not know till Saturday. I mean, we may not. So, um, uh, but yeah, that's that's what everybody's going to be talking about. Chuck Tommy made
5: a point yesterday, and I think some people agree, some people disagree. Is KJ the one guy that Coach talked about? It kind of need to practice Wednesday to play on Saturday. Is he the one guy that if he's good to go on Thursday or Friday, he's going to play on Saturday? you Think?
3: Well, sure, absolutely absolutely and look coaches say that all the time there are exceptions to that rule in college football every week there'll be somebody play saturday somewhere that didn't practice on wednesday and uh, i know that people have you know certain tenets that they follow but not much of anything's hard and fast when you get right down to it so um yeah if he can uh you know if he doesn't do anything at all this week although You know, from the reports that I read, he's at least been out there. Um, I mean, he doesn't do anything at all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes Uh, just watching's enough. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, um, um, uh, you know, I hear coaches all the time say if you don't practice on Wednesday, not planning on playing you on Friday or a Saturday. But every single one of them has broken that rule at some point in their career. I, I mean, that's just how it works depends on what your stats say. <laughs> it depends on the player. Let's just be honest. It depends on the player. Yeah,
1: absolutely. All right, the new podcast is available. You can download and listen right now. Hit that line.com or wherever you get the podcast. Good conversation between Chuck and DJ Williams, and you can get that uh, this morning in the uh, newest episode, newest edition of the Give Me
3: the Hogs Chuck podcast. Chuck. And it's brought to you by Wiker Realtors the Griffin Company, and you know, when I talk about them, I want you to understand I talk about it from personal experience. I'm not reading copy. There's not a single note in front of me right now. Maybe there should be, but there's not. <laughs> because I'm talking about personal experience. I'm talking about what I experienced with Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company. They were my partner in buying a home. They were my partner in selling a home. And the thing that I liked was they were, they were professional about what they did. They were knowledgeable. Um, when you get into a real estate transaction, you know you can, everybody loves to wheel and deal. But the bottom line is you need someone that's knowledgeable, really, about the process. And that's what I found at Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company. I think that's going to be your experience, too. Trained professionals, people that understand how to get you from contract to close. They've got an office in Fayetteville. They're in Springdale and Bentonville. They've got an office in Fort Smith. Uh, They just opened one up in Branson, Missouri. You see the yellow signs all over town. It's because they're working because they're out there uh, uh, doing their job. And I think that's going to be your experience. You can log on to com.
5: One of the topics I wanted to get into this morning was A&M and Alabama. Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban, that conversation has died a little bit since the summer. It's heated back up since they're playing this week. That's what Dixie wanted to talk about this morning. Go ahead, Dixie.
4: Yeah, well, I love a good soap opera, so I'm all about that. I sit at home and watch General Hospital every day just about because I'm retired or I tape it if I'm not volunteering. So, whatever, you know, I think it's been blown out of proportion by the media, but I'm glad they're feuding because it takes, because they're both hypocrites. It's too bad that both these teams can't lose. I mean, they both take <laughs> money under the table. Everybody knows about them money shapes in the SEC West. I mean, that's common knowledge. So both of them need to shut up and play football because I'm tired of it. I like Dixie. About the Mississippi State game, uh, they've got special teams issues because was on the 50-yard line at the Liberty Bowl, and they can't handle punts. Now, that punter from Texas Tech was an amazing punter, and Texas Tech put a beat down on them. That being said, Will Rogers, I think, should be higher up on the has-been list. He is a damn good quarterback, but I don't care how good you are. I'm like from Missouri. You're going to have to show me something. Cause they keep telling me that their special teams is straight down and they're going to beat us by 20 and not so fast, my friend because y'all ain't beat nobody yet just because y'all beat A&M. and m so overrated. It's ridiculous.
5: It came in some, some guns hot this morning. I kind of like Dixie. I I, liked it.
1: Thanks, Dixie. Appreciate yeah, the
5: call, call. Call back again. You're always welcome on this program. Dixie. You know
3: why you had not heard much about Saban and Jimbo? Because Alabama's going to boat race them Saturday and everybody knows it. I mean that's the uh, that's the reason when you're when you're not as good as people thought you were going to be you don't say much and Jimbo's not saying much. Um, I can tell you from being around the Alabama people this past Saturday they uh, um, I won't say they were looking ahead past Arkansas because I think they're a they're a workmanlike machine and they take care of their business on Saturday but they are really looking forward to having Texas A and M and Tuscaloosa on Saturday. Nick Saban, I think, in the grand scheme of things, is a pretty classy guy. He, generally speaking, does not run it up against his old uh, coaches or against his friends in the coaching profession. But if they can hang 100 on A&M Saturday, they will. Now, I'm not saying they're going to be able to do that. A lot of that's contingent upon Bryce Young. But if they can, they will.
5: One of the things I noticed at SEC Media Days, guys, is every single one of the players touched on A&M, some unprovoked battle and... And Anderson touched yeah. on AM, not being asked about AM, but they were willing to bring it up. And you were talking about that workmanlike approach. That's not typical of a Nick Saban team to look ahead to a certain opponent or that. These guys have been itching all summer to beat the Aggies this year.
3: Well, you know, I think they remember very well what happened last year. Now, you know, sometimes guys perform for the camera on media day in July. But um, I do think that for them, this is a game that they wanted to play. But give them credit. You know, A&M was gnawing at the bit to play Alabama last year. And, you know, they were so excited about it, they lost to Mississippi State at home last year. So I give Alabama credit because I know that here and there, there are games that they really get up for but they sure do find a way to play well even on the Saturdays when it may not be the biggest game for them.
1: Yeah, you know, and this was supposed to be the game of the week, the marquee highlight game. Oh, yeah. I think Tennessee LSU is the game of the week. It's not Georgia Auburn. It's not Bama A&M. I think the best game we will see will be in that same window Arkansas is playing in. Uh, that's
3: Tennessee LSU. That'll be a competitive game. Um, you know, I, I watched LSU and Auburn play, and, and LSU's not great. I, I mean, Auburn's bad. LSU's not great. Um, I think Tennessee, and I, and, and I admit, I, I, I had my doubts about them, and still in the back of my mind, I, I, I keep waiting for it to fall apart. But um, I think Tennessee's been, uh, you know, maybe the – I hate to use the term surprise, but maybe they surprised me more than anybody Overlook. else. How about that? Maybe, maybe overlooked. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Well, on the subject... Hypo's done a good job. Hypo's done a good job
5: there. Hooker's the, the, the straw that stirs the drink with that offense, and they've looked really good. And speaking of Tennessee, Chuck, how about the official release from the Southeastern Conference that as of October, April 14th through 16th, Tony Vitello and the Volunteers are coming to Fayetteville at baseball. That was a... A mistake initially the sec made with the schedule but i know arkansas fans and tennessee fans are jacked up for the middle of april
3: oh that'll be a great series that'll be a great series it's not really you know because tony was here um you know people are going to focus on that because you know tony's you know tony says what's on his mind i think people are going to focus on that but you know you're going to have two great teams playing i mean uh uh, Vitello's done a great job at Tennessee. That was a program that was, uh, I mean, they, they, they'd they fallen so far off the map. I mean, they they were terrible. And he went in there and, I mean, turned them around in a short amount of time. And so that'll be a great series. Not, not, not just because of Dave and Tony. That'll be a great series. You
5: talk about the interactions between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban, their disdain. Do you think that has been cleared up between Tony and Dave? Or is there still... I don't think
3: it was ever an issue. I think that was, you know, I always kind of pull back when people say something was overblown by the media. Sometimes that's true. Sometimes the media is just talking about what people are talking about, but um that was overblown. Uh that's that's uh, um you know, I I worked around those guys together for 4 years and um there's 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 professional respect there. I promise you that. And they they worked hand in hand when they were here and Tony signed a lot of good players for us and Tony's a heck of a coach. And Dave respects him, and I think Tony reveres Dave. So um, I don't think there's anything to that. I think fans will play it up, but in the dugouts, there's nothing to that. It was a very public, heat-of-the-moment
1: exchange is all it oh,
3: is. just two competitors. Guys, let me tell you something. If you're any good at your job and the guy next to you is good at his, you're going to argue every once in a while, and sometimes other people are going to see it. But that doesn't mean that you're enemies.
5: Tell me if this is a good comparison Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin and Dave and Tony, he's got the the frat boyish way of doing things versus the
3: old old-fashioned no, way. I I th- I think I think Dave and Tony's relationship at Arkansas was a lot different than what Nick Sabans Nick Sabans and uh, Lane Kiffin's was. Uh, this is uh, uh, Tony's a pro and Dave's a pro and um, those guys are too. But um, you know, I, I I just I just think a lot of that's overblown. Yeah, I, I think some of it was Sabin and Kiffin's real. I think,
1: yeah, I think Saban. You, know, you, you hear Kiffin talk about the ash chewings and all the things that go on. I think it's just the way Saban runs his business. I don't think I don't think Dave, while he can be intimidating at times and even be very direct and, and matter of fact, he doesn't. I don't think run his shop. At least from the outside looking in, as it appears, Sabin runs his shop. <laughs>
5: Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome. Bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B L E A V. Bet online, where the game starts.
4: First Western Bank. We are more than just a bank, we are your partner for all your financial services. First Western has real professionals with years of experience in banking, mortgage, insurance, and investments, from financial services to personal and business insurance to investment products, mortgages, and small business banking. First Western with locations throughout Northwest Arkansas and the River Valley and online at firstwestern.com. Exceptional financial services all in one place. First Western Bank. Member FDIC, equal housing lender.
2: You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics.
5: Mentioned this in hour number one Tennessee coming to Fayetteville in baseball, April the 14th through the 16th. Tommy, you were in text last night yeah. about ticket requests, and yeah. it's I October. I, I,
1: I can honestly say I don't have any tickets because. It would be months before the tickets come out, but yeah, this is a game that's already exciting people. People are marking their calendars. Chuck, people, it's going to be the, the hardest ticket in a long time, A, because of the number that are available, but B, all the season tickets are already sold out,
3: so oh, yeah. getting your hands on one, you have to know somebody to get some of these. Well, I think the thing you hope is that when uh, when you get to that point that the team match the hype, You know mm-hmm. that it's not Dave against Tony, which I don't really think it is anyway, but um, it'd be nice if, you know, when you get to that point in the season, both teams are ranked. Let's Hey, let's have one and two. That'd be yeah. fun. Now, the good thing is, is there's three games. So, in theory, you know, 30,000,
1: 33,000 people can go to the series in theory. So, you know,
3: hopefully a lot of people will get a chance to go see at least one of the three. Oh, I'll bet there's... If the weather's good, the teams are good. I bet they've got thirty-five thousand for the weekend, maybe more. You,
5: you might, you're probably right. It'd be a fun weekend. Now, you, you're corking something up where we have a, a, a soiree with Chuck out in the hog pen, right? And Chuck's giving away free That's just free the first beer I've out heard there. of it, actually. You know? okay, we'll so, Got more details we'll yeah. tell you about in April. I think
1: maybe, maybe Chuck's going to bring his uh, cooker out there and do ribs for everybody in the hog pen yeah. that we've maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. we <laughs> yeah, write we'll that down as a definite maybe.
3: I love it. Yeah, I'll give you a definite maybe on that,
5: fellas. <laughs> One of my favorite videos of Sam Pittman is when... He, I think this is his first year after getting hired, and this was in March or April. He's walking around the hog pen and he's like, There's a hot dog. You think we can get a hot dog? <laughs> That's just one of my favorite videos of Coach Pittman. Uh, Pro day for Arkansas basketball is today. There's going to be a lot of scouts at Razorback games this year for a lot of different players, particularly Nick Smith. There's others that they will be keeping an eye on as well. But October the 5th, today, is uh, Arkansas's pro day for basketball. There will be several NBA uh, franchises in attendance to watch and see some of these young freshmen and other guys on Arkansas's roster this year.
3: Now usually, You know, we got a red-white game a week from Sunday. Yeah, I know. That's at Barnhill, right?
1: They're gonna play. Yeah, in, they're gonna play at Barnhill. Yeah, so I think that will be full, Chuck. I think there's a lot of
6: people oh, that I want to see this
1: team. I think it'll be, you know, all the way to the rafters again. Like in the
3: I Old I think days. it'll be great. I I I think it's a really a great idea to play that in Barnhill. Um, I think that was a really really smart, pardon me, smart move and. I think people will enjoy it, and I think a lot of people will be there. Uh, One of my
5: favorite memories as a kid, I never got to watch a game inside of Barnhill Arena because of my age, but it was really cool to play at the Arkansas basketball camp and play inside of Barnhill Arena because they had it at both Bud Walton and Barnhill, and that was just a cool experience as a young kid.
1: You know, as as nostalgic as that would be, you could make the case this one year, though, to play it in Bud Walton because with the season tickets sold out again, this might be the, the only chance for a lot of people to come and see the basketball team in person. So you could make the argument that it should be in the bigger building. Where there's more availability for fans that won't get to see them in the regular season, perhaps.
3: Oh, well, they've still got ninety two hundred seats there in Barnell. Yeah. I mean there's uh um I think it's good that I think it's good that they do it there. I, I, I don't think that um I mean, you know, I don't recall ten, twelve thousand at red white games. There were a lot of people there, but um I think I think it's a suitable venue. I think it's great and, and I've said this before. I mean for several I say several years for a few years I had an office in Barnhill and you know just walking across the floor to go to somebody else's office was like a trip back in time for me Mm -hmm. I mean I can point to you on that floor where lots of guys made big shots to win big games and where I was sitting when it happened and I think a lot of people when they walk into Barnhill particularly those who went to games there they start pointing to the floor well this is where Scott Hastings hit that shot You know, this is uh, uh, you know, this is this is where I sat when they snapped Houston's thirty nine game winning streak. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for a lot of people, they go into that building and that's the allure. Yeah, you think about Eddie Sutton, you think about Sidney Moncrief, you think about Daryl Walker and Abe Lemons on the baseline. Man, Abe Lemons taking a swing at Daryl Walker. I mean, that's what uh, that's that's what I think about when I think about Barnhill.
1: For someone that's in his mid forties. Unfortunately the first thoughts at Arkansas UNLV game that didn't turn out the way you wanted but what a as big an event that's ever happened in our state from a sporting standpoint you know the only other thing that maybe would compare would be the 69 shootout
3: the toughest ticket in my lifetime has been now I was six years old in the big shootout so I don't remember much about that I'm sure tickets were hard to come by. But without question, in my lifetime, of, of what I remember, the UNLV game was the toughest ticket in Razorback history. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, uh, um, you know, that was, I mean, just I just can't forget, you know, going to the top of the hill and looking down at Drake Field and seeing all the private planes. And they weren't, uh, you know, they were in to watch UNLV. I mean, Walter Payton was there. I, I, I mean, it was, a, uh, it, was, it was a huge day. That was was
5: it Super Bowl Sunday or was it just on a Sunday? No, that was
1: not Super
3: Bowl Sunday. It was an eleven a.m. game right in the middle of church. I mean, it was. uh, But it was one of those Sundays you skip church. Yeah, so you went to early church. We
1: actually snuck a TV into church
3: and got yeah, caught.
5: You've told so, That's a yeah. good story that you've told before. You got the Blessings College Invitational going on. Hogs are in second place right now. That's going on the Golf Channel today. I think it's at 9.30 and 11, if I remember that right. Two notes from practice. Hudson Clark was playing a little safety at the the chance the media got to uh, watch yesterday. And you also had Sam Ibaka, who's a wide receiver, playing a little cornerback. So they're, I guess, trying some new things in the back end of the secondary at this point. No,
1: right now you just need some players. And you got some good athletes that maybe can, you know, these, a lot of these guys played both ways in high school, have done it before. So maybe you can just try some things out move some guys around. So, I mean,
3: you're going to play th- five or six guys back there. I mean, you're going to play five or six guys back there. And I, you know, it's Coach Pittman said, I mean, what they want to try to do is get the five or six best ones out there. Some of them are, you know, a corner's a corner. But if you've got a guy who can, you know, cross-train a little bit, and <laughs> the way it's going, you never know where somebody's going to have to play before the season's over. That's going to do it for your Hog Update. It is brought to you
5: by Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up
4: with any malarkey. Call eight
5: eight 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 Sparky. Saw the news of Tom Brady and Giselle Butchin, or I don't know how to say her last time, to be honest, that they've hired divorce attorneys according to several sources. Is that going to affect Tom Brady? Pretty no. mildly this season. He's married. Albert
3: Puhol's got a divorce right before the season started, and he's done okay. I mean, I look. People go to work. Unfortunately, people go to work every day when they're involved in divorce and things like that. And and uh, I I don't I don't think that'll affect him on the field. I may be wrong, but I think being forty five years old or however old he is will affect him more than that divorce. He's married to the game, Tommy.
1: Well, I mean, a lot of people are married to their work. A lot of people are more. Their identity is more about their work than it is about the rest of their life. And, you know,
3: well, he's married to a superstar, too. Yeah. He's married to a superstar.
6: No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play in pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning $150,000 plus in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five-player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code HTL. At nohouseadvantage.com, or download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined. Because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this.
5: Nohouseadvantage.com promo code HTL.
2: You're listening to the Bud Light Next Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light Next is for the next era of beer drinkers with zero carbs and only 80 calories.
5: It's pretty inevitable that Brian Harson is on his way out at Auburn. And I know their boosters and their fans are already trying to predetermine who their next head coach is going to be. So that being said, gentlemen, two candidates have kind of stood out as of late for amongst SEC fans. Primetime, Deion Sanders and Lane Kiffin. We've seen an Auburn coach come from Ole Miss before, Tommy Coverbill. Could it happen again? Which is the better choice for the Auburn faithful that they could have success with their potential next new head coach?
3: Oh, I think they'd be good with either one of them. If I was Auburn, those would be the two guys that would be at the top of my list. I don't know if they are, but I would imagine that they are. Can you imagine Kiffin and Saban dueling or whoever Sabin's successor is and i think auburn's got to think about that too you know Sabin's not going to be there forever i know it seems like that but he's not they gotta you know they gotta play the long game here i don't know if they're smart enough to do that but they need to play the long game here and kiffin i think would uh he'd, he'd definitely you know stir things up and oh i think Dion there would be uh <laughs> can you imagine Dion and Sabin? I mean, can you imagine well, that?
1: I was just thinking about that. I mean, they do those Aflac commercials together yeah, I already. Know. I, I, would, I know. That's an interesting thing. Who would I make know. the bigger splash, though? Would it be Dion because he is primetime or Kiffin, who, um, you know, at least at Tennessee was very loose with the words and was willing to, you know, kind of cast, you know, boulders into the ocean or into the pond, at least to make large ripples? Who would make the bigger
3: splash? Oh, I think they'd both make quite a splash. I think uh, I think you'd be fin- in terms of the splash factor. I think they'd be about equal there. Dion would be Dion, and Kiffin would dig at Saban, and oh, it'd be a lot of fun. That's the reason I'm pulling for it. I think it'd be a lot of fun. I've seen some others write
1: about this. We had a text about this a minute ago. You know, Georgia Tech's got an opening. How Dion might fit that job very well because of his Atlanta ties. I don't know how far you can take Georgia Tech, but I can see certainly why Dion would be a, a, an attractive candidate for a
3: job in the city of Atlanta. I don't know. I mean, Georgia Tech's got some pretty tough admittance standards. I don't know. Well, I mean, maybe. I can't see him there, but I guess that's possible. I uh um I, I'm I'm more inclined to think that, you know, Dion wants to be you know, Dion wants to be in the SEC. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And if Lane Kiffin goes to Auburn and I was old miss, I'd hire Dion. So uh um, you know, we'll see what happens. Auburn always makes it interesting.
5: Power five openings right now are Wisconsin, Nebraska, Georgia Tech, Colorado. There's one other Arizona one in Arizona State. See him in Arizona State or Colorado? Could he go there? Or is nope. That, you think he's nope. going to jump straight from Jackson State to the Southeastern Conference? Do I you, think
3: Colorado's probably the worst job in Division One football, at least among the Power Fives. I, I just can't imagine a worse job than Colorado. I, um, Arizona State now, on the other hand, I think could be a sleeping giant but i don't i just think colorado's in terrible shape right now
5: is that asking a lot of an athletics director p- to put his money on deon sanders who has never coached in the sure conference
3: sure it you is you gotta it's have a some huge risk. to do that it's a huge risk there's no doubt about it but i will say this i mean Dion has done a better job than i think a lot of people anticipated at rallying that community rallying uh, the city of Jackson, um, he has done a remarkable job beyond just the splash and dash that I think we all expected from him. And I think Dion cares about kids. Um, you know, I think the primetime persona was just that. It was a primetime persona that made him a wealthy man. Um, but I think he's the real deal in terms of being a coach. Now, I don't know if Georgia Tech's the right fit for him, but I think at a place where football is really, really important, I think Dion would flourish.
5: Is Auburn that much better of a job than Ole Miss? Yes.
3: It's closer to the
1: Atlanta yes. recruiting grounds, absolutely.
3: When's the last time Ole Miss won a national championship? When's the last time Auburn won a national championship? Auburn twenty. Of course, it's a better job. Of course, it's a better job. Yeah, I, I open. I,
1: I think Chuck's exactly right, but I, I just look at where you're located in proximity to the most prime southeastern recruiting grounds. Auburn's much closer to Atlanta, so yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd absolutely say that. Alright, that's your Red River Dodge Morning Rush Daily question. Red River Dodge in Hebrew Springs, Arkansas's number one Ram dealer. Log on at RedRiverDodge.com This hour of Chuck Barrett on the Morning
2: Rush is presented by V's Barbershop with two locations in Rogers and Bentonville. Visit V's Barbershop online at vbarbershop.com or in person and see why V's is a cut above the rest.
5: Now, a lot of people make big deals out of social media. Neither you have an Instagram, but one of the things that kind of our age group notice is as of Saturday night, Backup quarterback Malik Hornsby took all of his Arkansas stuff off his Instagram. As of Sunday, mid-morning, afternoon, he put a picture of himself in a hog uniform on. So I think that begs the question, what happened in that little time gap, 12, 24 hours of when he decided to rip off all the posts to put it back on? Some of you don't care about that. That's fine. That's all well and good. Guys, what do you think happened? Tommy, I'll, I'll kick it to you first. What do you think happened? with Malik Horns being potentially a conversation with Sam Pittman?
1: Well, I think think cooler heads prevailed, number one. I think we all have done, said, lashed out, posted whatever to express our aggravation and our anger in a moment of disappointment. I think clearly Malik was disappointed his number wasn't called when there was an opportunity on Saturday for him to go in and play. But what we do know, and I don't know what the odds are, I don't know if it's 90% chance that K.J.'s going to play or if it's a 10% chance he's going to play. It's probably somewhere in the middle. I have no idea. But what is certain is there is uncertainty about the quarterback spot on Saturday and who's going to captain this team offensively. Chuck, there's an opportunity for Malik to play, I would think. And I don't know about you, but it seems to me like it's going to take two quarterbacks if K.J. isn't one of them to go down
3: there and complete the job at Starkville. I think so. I mean, look, I don't know if K.J.'s going to play or not, but if he can't, if he can't play, I would expect both Cade Fortin and Malik Hornsby to play some quarterback. Um, you know, from the outside looking in, it's hard to imagine that, you know, you would go down there on the road and, 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 and beat Mississippi State with with Cade Fortin playing the whole game. I don't know that it's logical to think they'd go down there and beat Mississippi State on the road without Malik Horns or with Malik Hornsby playing the whole game. But I don't know that you can look at this game and say if K.J. can't play that there's just going to be one quarterback. Um, you know, my, my my thought has been, and I don't know about the social media stuff, but my thought has been that, you know, when you've got a starting quarterback who took a blow to a head or, or, or took a blow to his head, um, people heal differently. As Coach Pittman said, some guys are back in three or four days. They've had guys last nearly a month being out with them. So if I'm a backup and – you know, a guy gets hurt and I think I might want to play or I might get to play. That might affect the way I view the world. I'm not saying that's what happened, but, but you know, it makes sense.
1: The conspiracy theorist in me, the guy that's always skeptical inside me, always believes there was probably a, a sit-down conversation and the coaches, in their minds, straightened out Malik and on his playing time. That that would be, you know, what I would think. That, that may not be what happened at all. It may have just been Malik... Calm down about the situation, but it kind of makes me wonder if there wasn't a sit down somewhere early Sunday morning with the head coach or at least the offensive coordinator and say, "Listen, you know what are you doing here? It looks divisive. What you know that you're separating yourself from the team? You're going to have a chance to play this week." And, and he kind of perked up a little bit.
3: I may Maybe be wrong I, about that, or I may be dead on. I don't. Yeah, know. I don't. I don't. I don't. You know, obviously, we don't know the nature of what you know what conversation they had, but I suspect that you know Malik understands that. Hey, I might get to play quarterback this week. Yeah. I'm not, you know. I mean, who knows? But um, I do think if and, and look, again, anything we say regarding KJ's availability, I want to emphasize is one hundred percent speculation. Um, but if he can't play, I suspect we'll see both those guys.
5: Arnett, I would think if Malik enters the ball game, is ninety percent sure that he's going to run the football. If you're Malik Hornsby. And Kendall Bryles, how do you convince that Mississippi State defense that he is a passing threat? Just well, making you pass plays. the
3: ball. <laughs> <But> <laughs> you pass <has> the ball. Has <laughs> he
5: proven in the in the short time that we've seen Malik Hornsby, I don't think any of us think that he is a polished passer, fair foul, that we've watched him, and it's been very no. little, but his strength has been running the football. So What again, are you driving
3: at here? I mean, what are you I, driving what at? What
5: I'm driving at is I think everyone watching on the field Knows when Malik is entering the game what's about to happen. There's going to be some sort of running play.
3: So, my well, my... based on what we've seen so far, based on what we've seen so far, but Ty, we've not seen him in there for an extended period. Correct. We've not seen him in there for anything beyond just a play or two. If he's in there playing quarterback for an extended period it's not going to be a running play every time
1: and we also haven't seen him after a week of preparation as the Well, exactly i mean there's a difference in anyone's game when you're getting all those first
3: team reps for
1: a week getting getting ready to go and
3: look again we don't know that that's what's happening no we don't know that he's getting the first team reps i'm just saying that if kj doesn't play I would expect both of them to be out there. Are we going to coach would invite us to watch the whole practice? Then yeah, we would know. That's right. Are we going to see? Just call you up.
5: Yeah. KJ, go back to twenty twenty when you're on the road at Missouri. Felipe Franks is going through first team reps, first team drills, at least insinuating that he's about to play according as normal. And then KJ walks out there and everyone's shocked.
1: Well, I remember twenty twelve when when Tyler took a vicious hit in that UL Monroe game and. You know, it was just the same kind of speculation all week long, and he went through the drills, and then Brandon and he put the ball cap on, and Brandon Allen took the start against yeah. Alabama. So we've we, this, you know, just because one warms up in pregame does not mean that's what's going to happen on Saturday necessarily. No,
3: and and you know, as you say, we've seen it with our guys, we've seen it with other teams. I mean, this is uh, this is not the first time this has happened, and uh, it'll happen again somewhere down the road. And it's just one of those situations where um again i understand people want a definitive answer now kj's not playing and this guy's starting <laughs> this this is how it's going to be yeah and um but you just don't know that on tuesday or wednesday
1: but i think the interesting thing is is kind of where you began the conversation or at least the i think the fan the thing that fans are talking about particularly younger fans because they're more in tune with social media is what happened when he took everything down and you know, seemingly, you know, you know, for for lack of a better term, was throwing in the towel, disassociating himself, and then all of a sudden he's back in the fold. What you know? What occurred over that twelve-hour? 18 hours well, I mean, or whatever. 2 you
3: know. plus 2 equals 4. Yeah, I think so.
1: I, I, I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, it's pretty obvious. You know, I think that's the, the the saucy part of it, at least. I don't know if we got anything definitive, but it's, it's fun to talk about.
5: They had, for example, LSU water receiver Keyshawn Boutte did that after LSU lost to Florida State in that initial game. Didn't have a catch. He's supposed to be their All-SEC, All-American guy. And what he was quoted to say is, I just wanted to stay off social media. And people were insinuating, well, this guy's about to leave LSU. He's about to hit the portal. So you just don't know until... That said person comes out and says
3: something. These guys know what they're doing. They know when they scrub their social media accounts, everybody's going to talk about it. That's the way young people announce how mad they are in this day and age. (laughs) I'm going to scrub you. I'm going to block you. I'm going to take everything about you away from my site. I mean, that's that's how young people deal with things now. And so I wouldn't put any stock in any of that, frankly.
5: Well, and to that point, Chuck, they're taught – once they enter, and this isn't just a, an Arkansas thing, once they entered a program to, again, keep that stuff in-house, right? They're not going to public in there. Malik Hornsby, there was 100% one thing I knew this week. Malik Hornsby was not going to be open to the media session last night. They were not going to put him in that situation. Now, I know he went on KBZ for his paid time yesterday morning, but there wasn't really anything they got out of that conversation. That's something that they were not, not going to allow this week is more – conversation about that
3: well no Uh, and and and, you know you wouldn't expect that to happen the one thing that i do want to say again is is that everybody involved in this program has been through this before right down to the people who who disseminate the information everybody's been involved in this before and and this is uh um um you know this is i'm not saying it's par for the course i don't want to make it sound routine when a guy gets you know takes a blow to the head because it's not but um they know what they're doing It's what i'm saying big mike from
1: waldron says it best he says people get mad and throw a fit as old as i am i still do it well i mean we all have i mean social media is the currency of throwing a fit when you're you know 17 18 20 21 years old i mean we you know i might whirly bird a five iron down a fairway every now and then so you know just everybody has their way of uh, getting their frustrations
3: Uh, yeah i I just i just think that's a i just think that's a generational thing there guys one thing i do know is that if you want to get a discussion about dion or lane kiffin or kj you go to the barbershop and that's where you're going to find out what's going on and i want to talk to you about v's barbershop this is a full service barbershop and, and that means they do much more than just cut your hair um it's almost a nostalgic experience frankly when you go in there. They've set a new standard for barber shops. And I mean there's there's a lot of services here beyond just the traditional haircut. Edge up, shampoo, facial and massage, straight razor shave, mustache trim, deluxe beard trim, standard beard trim. They'll shave your neck tie, they'll do all that and they'll Let's even go. shine your shoes. So uh that's a uh that's a great deal and it really is kind of a trip back in time and uh, they've got two locations in Northwest Arkansas. They're in Bentonville, on South uh, Southwest Fourteenth Street, just right off Seventy One Business, and, and they're in the Pleasant Crossings Shopping Center in Rogers, on uh, Pleasant crop uh, Pleasant uh, Crossing Boulevard. I'll get it out there in a minute. That's V's Barber Shop, guys.
1: I was in the uh, Pleasant Crossings location a couple oh, about ten days ago. Got a haircut, and you know when they go to that machine that has the warm lather, the the, the warm shaving cream, and they get the oh, bag, yeah. that. That's when you're in the right spot. Is when uh, is when they warm out, when they break out the warm shaving cream.
3: And you know when that happens, we all went to the barbershop shop when we were kids. I mean, you know, all, well, everybody except Ty. And uh, you know that, that that was that was part of the deal. That's yeah. what made it cool. It's what made it fun.
1: Remember when they had the leather strap to sharpen oh, yeah. the uh, the straight edge razor? They'd- well, you didn't make that leather strap used for anything
3: else, though. That's, that's right. Sure. Barber tell you, shape up and fly right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shape up.
5: Jeez. Uh, Dixie was asking this question in hour number one about the Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher feud. And Paul Fonwell was on Keyshawn will and Max yesterday and he was uh, having a little fun at Jimbo Fisher's expense
1: and the buyout should he be fired is 90 million dollars so essentially Jimbo Fisher is not essentially he is his own boss he doesn't report to anybody he does whatever he wants so uh if if, if they should fire him that's a 90 million dollar payday
5: Chuck we were talking about Brian Harson's future earlier, where Auburn could potentially go. Could you see a scenario where Texas A and M lets go of Jimbo Fisher after this year if things just go in the tank without Anaya Smith the rest of the way? Johnson, oh absolutely. Johnson got injured last week, didn't he? So we don't absolutely. Even know him. he's going to play this weekend.
3: They'd fire him in a heartbeat. Sure, they would. Oh. I mean, they'll uh, uh, they'll come up with the money. Ninety look, million dollars. They'll man. come up with the money. I mean, look, if they got the money to spend on him, they'll they'll. They've they've, they've got the money to fire him, too. This idea that money out there now is, uh, you know, that that's going to keep someone from getting fired, the buyout, that ain't going to happen. Yeah, I mean, if Jimbo Fish, they'd fire him in a heartbeat at the end of this year. But I do think, frankly, I do think some of this is kind of silly when you hear all this talk about Jimbo and laughing at Jimbo, making fun of Jimbo. Jimbo's going to get 90 million bucks if they fire him. Young, fire me right now. And give me half of that, yeah. or give me you know, give me a tenth of that. And yeah. and um, you know, Jimbo's laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> Which door you want me to go out? You know, yeah. <laughs> well, head yeah.
5: That's Club. exactly. I that was one of the best uh, answers to a question I think I've ever Doug heard. You of. Want me to
3: leave? Now I doubt you want me to if he out? actually said that in the moment, but <laughs> it makes for a good line in a speech. Yeah, Absolutely.
1: So uh, uh, it, it, and that's just the dream world, you know. Any of us get fired, we're out the door, and uh, you, you'll be lucky to get the rest of the week. You know, in a lot of cases, so, you, well, it's just
3: a world we can't fathom.
5: That's what Chuck. That's what you envisioned when you first stepped into sports radio—is these fat buyouts, right? That you were expecting to sign on the dotted line, and they—I've just... been bought
3: out before, Ty. Don't kid yourself. <laughs> I've been paid to leave. <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh man! All right, let's go back to the phones. Welcome in, Brad, who's here in Fayetteville. Brad, you've got a thought on Malik Hornsby this morning.
4: My thing is what is this infatuation with Malik Hornsby? I mean he played against U University of Pine Bluff and did nothing. I mean, what what was he what has he shown anybody? See, I
3: think that's a good question. And I'm not um, I'm I'm certainly not minimizing Malik at all, but I mean The fascination with Malik is because there's always the fascination with a backup. The guy that's not playing is always the answer, particularly if he's fast. And um, I think that people remember what he did in the bowl game. And um, but I also think that you know Arkansas was a whole lot better than Penn State that day. And um, um, I think that's part of it. First off, Malik's a good kid. He's a good kid. He's a good player. Great athlete. I mean, and and. He's got the wow factor, and people notice that. But, um, you know, again, uh, I'll say what I've always said, that there's not a single coach out there that's trying to lose. And he's going to put the guy out there that he thinks gives him the best chance to win.
5: I think the fascination to me, guys, comes from recruiting. And fans see that four-star flying up the 24-7 boards, recruiting rankings. They talk about the speed. thats I, I swear I hear the coaches talk about he's the fastest player on the team at least He's Once not the week.
3: fastest player on the team.
5: But I feel like I hear that a lot, or at least he's one of the fastest players on the team. So when you hear that, coupled with those recruiting rankings and that not necessarily living up to fans' expectations – that's where I think the rubber meets the road at some well,
3: point. Well, you know, Ty, our roster is full of four stars that, I won't say full, but our roster's got four stars that didn't pan out. Other rosters have four stars that didn't pan out. Happens on every team every year. But, this is a quarterback. Yeah, so that's people pay more attention to mm-hmm. it. See, I think yep. a
1: lot of this was fueled by the preseason conversations of him at wide receiver. And, you know, it was the optimistic, hopeful conversations that it would work out coming from coaches. And, you know a lot of other places and it just hasn't panned out. I think that's well, what
3: fuels some of this. I think that um you know that <laughs> we're all guilty of this. We think passing games involve hey, go down 10 yards and cut out and I'll look for you. Yeah. I mean, it's not like working in the you know it's not it's not like playing in the yard. I mean, um these guys have two, three, they've got a a receiver when they break the huddle, they got one read, when they get to the line of scrimmage, they got another one, and then they got another one after the ball snap. So the idea that you know just because you're fast you're going to be a receiver, I mean if that was the case every fast guy would play receiver. Um you know it's it's uh, um there's a lot more to it than just running, you know, running downfield and KJ throwing you the football. And my guess would be that he has not mastered all of that. Um you know you know you you can look at a lot of sports and you say man i bet that guy be good in this spot and then you put him there he's not good in that spot it doesn't mean he's not a good player it just means he's not good in that spot
1: he hadn't learned every limb of the route tree yet
3: so. well maybe not i mean <laughs> maybe not and and uh um I'm not knocking him. I, I mean, I'm not knocking him at all. I do think there's way too much fascination, frankly, with, with, with Malik. And I think that leads to some things like what we saw on social media Saturday night.
1: So what you're uh, saying is a lifelong quarterback didn't pick up and learn how to play wide receiver at an SEC right. level in two weeks.
3: Look, look, I, I would make the case that, you know, Matt Jones is as good an athlete as we've ever had at the University of Arkansas and and you know Matt was a was a good enough player and became a good enough receiver that you know he was able to get to the NFL
5: Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. Chuck, I had forgotten the leading up to that game. I think it was the guy's name was was it Nick Bell. It was Nick the, Bell. Yeah, That's right. He passed away from with the bout with cancer in 2010 in November, which Arkansas played Mississippi State, and they brought his mom out to the field prior to the game. That was a very emotional night for the Bulldogs before they played Arkansas.
3: Oh, it was. I mean, it was. I can remember being in the radio booth and looking over at Quinn when that happened, and we just kind of said, man, this is going to be a tough one tonight. And uh, it was. Mississippi State played over their heads, and you know, DJ had a good, you know, I mean, I'd forgotten that this happened after the game. I mean, he uh, went to social media and, um, you know, really complimented Mississippi State on the way they played. And he talked about how they were a different team that night than the one the Razorbacks had watched on film. And that was not a great Mississippi State team, but man, they, uh, they played like their hair was on fire that night. And I can remember, you know, when it was over, it was like, wow. I mean, we were so lucky to get out of here with a W. Mallet was, uh, you know, Mallet threw for over 300 yards on 17 completions. Only had 17 completions, but there were a lot of big plays. And Jarius Wright and Joe Adams and DJ Williams, that was a star-studded group back then. And, you know, those were in-state kids. Yeah, you bring up DJ.
5: He had one of the great touchdowns. Jerry said the big long one. But Nile Davis actually got things started. And that's really what Arkansas was able to do that night was control the ground game with the run. Nile
3: Davis, yeah, they, Dennis they Johnson, a lot of Ringo, project Green. I think sometimes people forget that talent's backfield.
1: And we always knew if we could get those guys going, we can control the whole game. What we do offensively, the tempo, defense needs a rest. Okay, let's stay on the field. We need to go deep. Okay, they have to respect the run. Now we can go deep. I mean, but we understood it started with the run.
5: They kind of did the opposite. That team used the pass to set up the run Tommy this team
3: uses the run to set up the pass. Well that night they used up the they used the run to set up the pass. Early in the ball game they ran the ball like crazy and then ended up throwing off play action as the uh, as the game went on. sometimes you know and again it, 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 it just depends on the opponent but um, you know DJ talked about something there that we've talked about in relation to this team and this game. About how you get that running game going, you control the tempo of the game. He said, "We help the defense." I mean, I think those were his exact words a minute ago, and that's what I was talking about earlier. All this stuff goes hand in hand. I mean, sometimes your you know your best defense is a good offense. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's the other way around, and um, you know that team had the ability to uh, um, you know a lot of times they did throw first, and then they would run to win. But that night in Starkville, they ran the ball. And that set up the pass.
1: And Arkansas is going to need to control the clock and control tempo in this ball game, which they like to get to the line fast and not let the opponent substitute. Will Rogers has thrown 19 touchdowns already this year. Chuck, yeah, I mean I, you know the numbers, but you know State's offense, it, when it comes to passing, is second in this conference with nearly 350 yards a game, 346. Arkansas's pass defense we don't need to belabor the point but it's not good at 12th in the league and nearly 300 yards a game this doesn't seem like a good matchup at least on paper
3: well here's the thing though guys i mean we talk about offense as being becoming one-dimensional you know generally when we talk about that what we're saying is man our team can't throw i mean that's basically what we're saying when we talk about hey we've become a you know we become one-dimensional you can be one-dimensional the other way too and uh you know I look at the South Carolina ball game in Fayetteville they threw for over 300 yards and oh they threw for over three well they they rushed for 40 yeah. and who won and uh I, I mean you know so my my point is is that you know you can get lost in some of these numbers sometimes and and you know Mississippi State probably will have a good number of passing yards Saturday uh but if they can't run the ball in the red zone they're not going to score as much yeah, and they've been They've been running it for about 93 yards a game, but when you look
1: at the percentage of the snaps, and this is high for Mike Leach's teams, it's about a third of the time, about 32% of the time they run the football, which is uh, is more than normal for
3: a Mike Leach offense. Well, you've, I mean, I don't care how much you like to throw it in this league if you can't run it. If you become, as we were talking about, a one-dimensional pass team, a one-dimensional team on the other side of the coin, you're going to be, you're going to lose just as many ball games. I promise you, you're going to lose just as many ball games as you would if you were one-dimensional on the other side. You can run, but you can't throw. So, um, you know, Mississippi State's offense, a lot of these passes to the edge, the bubble screens, the things like that—they're just, you know, they're basically running plays. They're just getting the ball to the edge a little bit quicker, and you got to tackle
1: them. And to your point, Dylan Johnson, the leading rusher for State he has 302 yards on the year. Well, KJ's the number 2 rusher with more than that at 312 and Rocket of course leads the way at over 600 yards so far this year at 609. So, uh, to your point, the, the, their stats match up exactly what you're saying.
3: Well, and 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 I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but traditionally with his teams, um, you know, your backs are going to catch a lot of passes. You're going to catch a lot of screen passes. They're going to use that screen game and and um you know, we all talk about touches. You know, how many touches does a guy get? If you're a running team, you're talking about how many times does he carry the ball? Generally speaking, when you talk about touches in a Mike Leach uh, Mike, Mike Leach offense for a running back, that's that's going to include some pass receptions too, out of the backfield on short throws.
5: That's kind of the ex- like extended pass that we always talk about, with extended handoffs. Yeah, that call extended them? I
3: mean that's basically what it is, and they make you tackle out there. I think Mississippi
5: State respects Arkansas's passing game, and I, I know the KJ Jefferson dilemma—if he plays or not—is going to have a, a something yes, to do I with think that they question. Do. Yes,
3: yes, they do.
5: What yes. is what has given them reason to do that? Because I really outside of was it Missouri State, I don't think that Arkansas's had a.
3: Well, what's he got? Note. Nine, eight, eight, nine touchdown passes, one interception. That's why. KJ's I mean, you, nine, look, KJ's look. nine
1: touchdowns, one interception.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you can focus on the missed throws, and and you know, I guess if you know that's what people want to focus on, they can. But um, you know, let's not act like this guy's chopped liver. And I'll go back to what I've said before about Kendall Bryles. As much heat as the offensive coordinator always takes, um, let's be frank here, fellas. I mean, the last couple of years. Um, They've avoided the plays that K.J. can't make with his arm, and they've accentuated the ones that he can. And the ones that he can, that he's been really good on, are the short throws and the deep ball. And uh, um, I think they've done a very good job, frankly, of disguising his flaws and accentuating the positives that he brings to the table.
1: So what you're saying here is the offensive coordinator's putting him in his best light to, 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 to play to his strengths
3: i agree Amazing. with that <laughs> i agree with that i i don't i mean look i i i uh, um, um i understand that the coordinators are always going to be the ones that take the heat i mean hey they're they're the coordinator i get it but um you know we all tend to focus on the things we don't like that's just human nature
1: and uh, kj's 80 of 121 on passing, I think that's right at two-thirds, well, so 67%. And, well,
3: and I think that goes to the point that I'm making. You know, Ty's talking about, do you think they respect our passing game? As and, and you're not the only one saying that, Ty. I'm not knocking that statement. I'm saying people are saying, well, they don't respect our passing game. But yet you look at the percentages and the guy's almost 70%. That tells you they're putting him in positions to make plays. You can't on one hand say, well, oh, he's not a great passer, but then on the other hand say, wow, what a completion percentage. I think he's going to break the record this year. Um, a lot of that's coaching, fellas. You know, and, and you go back and we remember
1: what we saw last. This Alabama game, there were some throws that KJ doesn't like to throw in the run if he doesn't have to. He likes to stand in the middle of that pocket. You know, He's kind of got that unique platform that he throws from that he's really good at. And I think Alabama's pressure forced him to make some throws, and I think he put the ball in some spots he knew it wasn't going to be intercepted. There were some spot, there were some throws that looked off, but I think Alabama's pressure had as much to do that uh, with
3: his uh, than, than KJ's arm did. And I don't mean and and when you say pressure, I agree with that. I, I but I'm not just talking about pass rushers. I'm talking about like you're talking about. I, I mean, uh, hey, there's apprehension. We've all watched Alabama get pick sixes till we're blue in the face. Um, we know those guys back there are good and they do too. And so uh, I'm sure I've obviously never been back there quarterbacking against Alabama, but I'm sure that um, you have to be respectful of that as a quarterback and maybe sometimes you go you know uh, over the line a little bit in terms of your respect for him and you end up being tentative and you end up making throws that you wouldn't normally make. and that's part of you know part of what makes it difficult to beat a team like that.
5: I think one of the things that also I was thinking about is just either if KJ can't go, how Malik Hornsby and Cade Ford would react on the road. And Keetron Jackson touched on that
6: yesterday. Just being at practice, both of them have been super confident in the huddle and being confident calling plays. And we've been imitating the loud noise just to get them uh, settled in for the game Saturday.
5: So the toughest situation Malik's been thrust into is in Arlington last year. Cade's played in a few ACC games and then... South Florida's and what the AAC or whatever, so they've never played in an atmosphere like they would play on Saturday. Correct? Well, they are
1: very few atmospheres like any SEC yeah. venues outside. I mean, there is a handful, but but
3: the
5: SEC is unique. How do you simulate that this week? How
1: do you? Well, you
3: don't. You don't. You do what you can. You bring some noise in. You don't know what's going to happen until the bullets start flying. I mean, the idea that you're going to be able to simulate what it's going to be like on Saturday in an opposing stadium with some noise being piped into your facility, I mean, you do the best you can. You simulate it the best you can. But, uh, I mean, um, you know, the worst thing that's going to happen in practice if you uh, if you screw up is a coach is going to scream at you. You know, you're not costing them the game. And uh, um, when you get into an opposing stadium and – you know you're not familiar with the other guys across the line the way you are. You don't you don't recognize everything the way you do each day in practice when you're going against your own guys. You don't know till you get there. And and so to say that you can fully simulate it, you can't. Yeah. You do the best you can and uh, hope when you get there that they're able to handle it.
1: You know when you're at the game, you notice Kendall Browse and there's some other signaling on the on the sideline. Loud noise can't keep the signals and the commun- the visual communication. But it's not just about the quarterback and the snap. I mean, the linemen have to be able to operate under that. The wide receivers who are split out wide. We, we think about the quarterback having the most difficulties with the communication, but it's it's just as important for the other ten on the field to to be able to hear and know the cadence or, or work through the silent counts
3: or whatever this offense is going
1: to do to negate that.
3: Well, first off, we're playing at 11 o'clock in the morning. This isn't going to be Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge on a Saturday night. It's not going to be like that. Not to say it's not going to be a hostile environment. I'm not suggesting that. But I'm saying what Arkansas is going to encounter on the road Saturday, they've encountered worse situations than this. I mean, they've played more hostile environments than this. Yeah. And that, Let's um, just
1: be honest. They may not be through milking all the cows by 11 a.m. Well, they may not be a so. full house.
3: That, you may be right.
5: That is true. But what also needs to be factored this, if KJ can't go, this is their
3: first road test of the year. Well, and, I, understand and, and, I understand all that. I understand all that, but 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 it's not like these guys hadn't played road games before. But what it's I, not like these guys have never played in hostile environments before. I've, I I think you can make too much of that. I, I, the
5: team has, but if it's Fordner Malik, this would be their first SEC road test that they've ever actually played in when something's on the line. That's well, what... they're
3: playing at eleven o'clock in the morning in Starkville. If you were going to pick a place to make your first road start, I think that's where I'd pick. Unless you could go to Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt and play at 11 in the morning. <laughs> then you may have I, I mean, more your own I, I, there. Look, look, I, I think those are good talking points. Don't get me wrong. Don't misunderstand me. I think those are good talking points. But I think these guys, when the game begins, there's a focus level, guys, that, that, that goes off the charts. It goes off the charts. And um, a lot of the things that we notice in the press box or fans notice in the stands, they don't notice any of that. And uh, it's not going to affect them the way we might think.
1: Let me just state the obvious. The fastest way to quieten them is you go score and don't let them score early in the that's game. That's exactly right. I mean, right. That's, that's pretty obvious, but you want to quieten the cowbells? Go score and don't let them score, and they'll they'll put them things away.
5: You think about what happened in 2016 when you went down there? I think that final score was 58-42. to 42. I think it was Nick Fitzgerald taking on Austin Allen, and they just couldn't get loud because every time Arkansas or Raleigh Williams and company just marched down and scored, he never really gave the, that crowd yeah. a chance to get hyped up hey
1: you was talking earlier about tom brady and uh, giselle uh that they they've they've lawyered up i, I think Did maybe hire kevin well i think maybe i saw giselle in uh, in northwest arkansas at the uh, kevin hickey law partners i think maybe that's where she's turned to to uh, to get deep into tom's pockets here because this this could be a this could be a wild one publicly but but seriously if you're if you're going through that it, it's nothing to, to to really joke about when it's you involved because it rips your family apart there's a lot of drama. There's a lot of tension. There's a lot of aggravation. You need an aggressive attorney that understands the process, that's dealt with the angry spouses, supermodel or not, uh, that will bring false accusations, that will just make your life a miserable hell for several months. You want someone that knows, that cares, that understands, and that's Kevin Hickey and Brad Hall of the Kevin Hickey Law Partners. They have an office in Fort Smith. They also have one in Northwest Arkansas, 479-434-2414 in the River Valley. Eight oh two sixty five sixty is the number in Northwest Arkansas. They're also coming to Little Rock soon as well. Find them online at KevinHickeyLaw.com.
5: So help a young man here for a sec. Loretta Lynn is no longer with us. Died at man. the age of ninety. Between you ain't woman enough and as I hang up the phone,
3: what is the what is the better song? Of Louisiana woman, Mississippi man is the best Loretta Lynn song with Conway Twitty. That's the best one ever. Coal miner's daughter is the one she's most known for. the for. that's the that's the
1: that's the one that goes in the old bit first line about all of her songs. Is they Cole made Beiner's a
3: movie song. about that? Yeah, I, mean, I mean, they made a, a movie, movie about that song. Yeah. Didn't see it. Her and Conway Twitty's duets, though, were uh, oh yeah, Louisiana woman, Mississippi man. I mean, that's that uh, that's a classic right there. Yeah, I mean, she um, that's a Saturday night. Get down song. Kai. You'll you'll probably hear it <laughs> in Starkville. Get down song. You'll probably hear it in uh, Starkville Friday and Saturday night. We've uh, yeah.
5: we've set our our itinerary already for this weekend. I'm I'm really excited. You've got me a little fired up for for Starkville because I know I've had some people that have doubted the the entertainment value of that city. But you, based on what you've said, it's kind of a little bit underrated as an SEC town.
3: Well, if you get thrown in jail, don't call me. Okay. I just uh I just put it that way. But uh hey, you can uh you're a young guy, Ty, you can have a good time wherever you are. You make your own party.
5: That's exactly right. That's how we have to look at life at at this age. But so what do I need to know about Mrs. what else do I need to know about Mrs. Loretta Lynn cuz when you told me at dinner last night I had you looked well, I mean, look at she you with was, a blank stare. Well,
1: I mean, you when I said Loretta Lynn had passed away at 90, you, you know, you had no clue who I was talking nope. about, which sadly deeply disappointed me that you wouldn't know who's loretta really Lane care be
3: a student of pop culture Ty, I mean,
1: come on i would say loretta lynn is the one that opened the door for people like dolly parton for people like tanya tucker for people that you know for the for the women of country
3: music she was she was the first star is that is that not right chuck i don't know if she was the first one i wasn't around for all that but i know that she's always been the biggest female country star in my lifetime and uh I'm not a particular, you know, I'm not a country music aficionado. I I couldn't talk history the way I'm sure a lot of people can, but I've always kind of viewed her as, you know, the first lady of country yeah. music. And, you'd put and her that's in this, just kind of what I've always thought of her as. You'd put her on the same shelf with like a Johnny Cash. Someone Oh, absolutely. Oh, she's the female equivalent of Johnny yeah, Cash. That- no question.
1: Is that that bringing home that, for you that, that lands the plane that
5: lands the plane better. She, I think um, a, that that makes me understand it a little more. She,
1: that's that's who she would be and opened a lot of uh, a lot of doors for everyone else that followed through that. But when you hey, see she, George Strait posting about her passing, you know
3: it's a big deal. Well, she was a star at a time when radio was at its zenith, um, particularly in the South, where country music is at its most popular. Um, she was a voice for her generation, uh, particularly for a lot of young Southern girls, just to be real honest about it. And she sang about what they were dealing with. And, um, you know, she was, uh, you can laugh, but she did. Well, and, so she came, uh, th- well, she came through that just like my
1: grandparents, born in the depression, raised in the depression, absolutely hard absolutely. to make a living. And they sang about those things.
3: And they absolutely did. And that's why when she dies at 90, uh, her contemporaries cry. You know, because that's how much it meant to him during that time.
5: So she inspired Taylor Swift? Is that what happened? I think Taylor Swift is...
3: I think you're missing the point, Ty. I I think you're missing the point. I think think you skipped
1: a generation there. Hey, we are talking about ribs and and who cooks the best ribs and all that stuff. We're going to find out in a couple of weeks at the uh, second annual barbecue rib competition at wheels rv it's coming up here in a couple of weeks it'll be the the same day as the byu game now don't worry about missing the game because at wheels rv they're gonna have the game on a 4k billboard trailer display out there you won't miss a a second of the action face painting bounce houses axe throwing it's free to get in there's free food Uh, it's gonna be
5: twice as big as last year this podcast has been presented by bet online
1: this podcast
2: is an exclusive property of pearson broadcasting it may not be copied reproduced modified published uploaded reposted transmitted or distributed in any way without pearson broadcasting's prior written consent Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center.
0: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines.